0: Bringing you stories of freedom, responsibility, and personal potential. This is the Success Journeys Podcast, and here's your host, Katie Napoleon-Hill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Success Journeys Podcast. In each episode, I interview incredible guests who share their own personal journey to success. They share their highs and their lows, their joy and their pain, and the true underlying story of what he took to get to where they are today. Today on the Success Journey’s podcast, we’re talking with Mike Goody. Mike is an ex-injured RAF regiment Gunner, a four times gold and silver invictus medalist for swimming, and he’s training to become the first amputee British paramedic. He’s also a future GP Paralympic swimming medalist in training. He's the handsome cheeky chappy whose motto is to go to the ends of the earth to help his fellow brothers and sisters. He's climbed that mountain, three to be exact, scuba dived, kayaked, swam the English Channel, as well as competed in Bolton's Iron Man twice. He laughs in the face of the naysayers, turns impossible to I'm possible, proves you're wrong tenfold, and he'll never accept defeat. Mike has achieved all this and more. His story begins in two thousand and eight, While on his first tour in Afghanistan, his life changed forever. The armoured vehicle he was driving hit a roadside bomb and trapped him under the wreckage. He was pulled free after three hours and later flown to Birmingham's Selly Oak Hospital in the United Kingdom. The blast caused such severe injuries to his left leg, as well as brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. Mike was left wheelchair bound and endured 14 major surgeries in an attempt to repair the shattered bones. In 2011 Mike opted for an elective amputation. Six weeks after his prosthetic limb was fitted he was walking with a stick. Many would let such a moment define them but not Mike. His courage, drive and deep competitive inner spirit for life always wins over. After all he was an ex-junior GB swimmer and so he's decided to live his life to the max. Mike is a highly active fundraiser as well as an inspirational speaker and truly delighted to have him with us on the show today. Hi Mike, thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, my pleasure.
0: You've had quite a journey.
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I, you could say I've had some ups and downs in my uh, my life so far. <laughs> you know, the first, first 30 years of my life have definitely been filled with a few... Uh, Trials and tribulations.
0: huh. And it's uh, it's all up from now. Um, where does your taste for adventure come from? Where, where were you adventurous as a child?
1: Um, I, I wouldn't say adventurous is more troublesome. I think I, I just like to, to get stuck in and get muddy and dirty, you know, like most kids of uh, my sort of generation were, uh, you know, obviously before the digital age of computers, mobile phones and things like that. So, you know, if you wanted to go and do something, you know, you had to actually go out and do it and get your hands dirty. So I think I've always always enjoyed the outdoors and just always enjoyed doing things, you know. I don't think there was that sort of set of fear really instilled into me and, until I sort of grew up a little bit.
0: Right, okay. And uh, why did you first decide to join the Armed Forces?
1: Um, there, was, there was a few things. I, when I was younger, sort of about 15, I always wanted to fly jets for the Air Force, uh, the Royal Air Force, um, and I was looking into scholarships and things like that, the Armed Forces Careers Office. And, you know, I was setting the process in motion, you know, I took the right GCSEs and uh, my A-levels, you know, sort of uh, advanced mathematics, physics, that sort of thing, just to assist in that sort of dream and aspirations. Um, unfortunately, uh, I've always been a, a swimmer and I've had problems breathing in, uh, in chlorine. Um, uh-huh. I'm partially allergic to chlorine, which is great for a swimmer. Um, <laughs> but... Um, it, they, they gave me an inhaler and, and that basically killed all chances of joining the forces. So, uh, I actually joined the police force first for a couple of years. Absolutely loved it. Uh, but it wasn't truly me. I think, you know, I think there was something missing, you know, a real adventure that was missing out of that job. I'm not saying there isn't adventure in that job, you know, <laughs> yeah. certainly action packed and full force, but, um, yeah, I left and, and joined the Royal air force a couple of years later, uh, um, back in 2007.
0: Right, okay. Coming back to, it's very interesting you said about the chlorine uh, as an asthmatic myself, um, I, I never realized that that can be something that can trigger off breathing uh, challenges. So no doubt as, as a swimmer, it's, it's a major thing. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, I think it's one of those weird things that, you know, if I go off and run, you know, 10 miles, there's. I don't have any problems breathing mm-hmm. or if I go and ride my bike or anything like that, it's the only time I ever need an inhaler is in the pool. And the doctors, when I was younger, did some tests and things like that and found that there was some sort of affinity against the chlorine in the pool. Um, so, yeah, they, they didn't know what to stick it down as. So, uh, yeah, it got put down as asthma. And
0: right. um, You didn't let that stop you, though? Oh,
1: no, no, no. If, if anything, um, I think probably from swimming at such a young age and having that sort of thrown into the mix made me sort of cardiovascular and respiratory sort of, more prepared um you know because obviously if you put yourself in an environment that your body's not tolerable of especially at that young age you know your body learns mm-hmm. to adapt a little bit so mm-hmm. I think sort of it did me actually quite a bit of good in some respects.
0: Just out of interest did you have any mentor that taught you swimming as a kid that inspired you to, to swim and take it professionally? Um
1: I think when I was a kid, you know, when I was probably young, I think uh, the people I used to look up to was sort of Duncan Goochie, because he was a butterfly swimmer and I love butterfly, and and uh, Mark Foster who used to be, you know, fastest man in the water. Mm-hmm. So I think as as swimmers, they they were the ones who sort of drove me to it. Um, and then there was my coach uh, Helen Brook. Um, you know, she was a, she was a slave driver, but she was absolutely fantastic and really taught me to you know pursue and progress my swimming uh, hmm. but unfortunately when I was uh, when I was that sort of age I, I got to a certain point and then yeah I wasn't I wasn't big enough to play with the big boys as such so uh, yeah it kind of stopped there and career and obviously life sort of takes over a little bit.
0: Uh-huh. And talking about life um, how, how did you cope immediately after your accident where did you draw such strength to carry on? <laughs>
1: Uh, in all honesty, I, uh, quite soon after injury, um, you know, I, think I was flown back to, to Birmingham uh, after being blown up in Afghanistan, um, and it was quite difficult to draw strength from anywhere. Um, I, it was 24 hours, and I was back in Birmingham, and then I spent the best part of five, six months, pretty much, you know, always strapped to a hospital bed, and mm. uh, I had, you know, it was over fireworks night, PTSD. That's when I first mm-hmm. realised you know, that was that was an issue for me, and still is an issue, and you know, there was, there was a lot of things. And I actually uh, got addicted to my morphine uh, Mm -hmm. as probably like a coping strategy, um, which as soon as I was out of hospital, actually turned to alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I was a clinical alcoholic for a period of time. And and that's where I initially sort of drew strength from as such, which looking back at, you know, obviously is, is quite silly, irresponsible, but I didn't see it coming. It wasn't until, you know, those things had happened that I realized, oh, I've, i really got to change my life around here a little bit. And Mm -hmm. that's when I think I I turned to sport with the help of a few people to, you know, and especially swimming in particular, to turn my life around and and actually go, right, there's more to life. You know, you nearly died here. Mm -hmm. There's so much more that life can offer and experience. It's it's time to wake up a little bit. And I think that's pretty much where I I decided to draw my strength from, was sport and challenges and endeavours.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing, really. And as far as post traumatic stress is concerned, is is that something that's now more recognised in the armed forces? As uh, I'm sure years ago people would just be sent home and you know go mental, to say the least. And their partners would it would affect their relationships. It 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 and they just didn't have that support. How is it these days?
1: I think the, the support for PTSD and other hidden wounds, you know, because like I said, uh, not, all, not all wounds are visible. You know, it's quite right. clear to see my, my leg is a physical disability. Absolutely. But there's, I think, something like the last report was one in six soldiers or something suffer from some form of PTSD or another. You know, there's symptoms of all the way through to full blown. Right. And I think, you know, if you go back to World War One, World War II, you know, there, there's, there's the, what they describe as shell shock and things like that. So it was known about, but it wasn't really dealt with or anything like that. You know, there wasn't enough known about it. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, with more recent conflicts, you know, I say recent, you know, the last 20 odd years, you know, you've got Northern Ireland, you know, uh, Falklands, you know, you, you can name mm-hmm. everywhere where we've been involved in conflict. Um, you know, I think the, the education and the, the, the treatment and the research behind these hidden wounds has come forth tenfold. Mm-hmm. so the support and um, you know, the options is available for you know soldiers and like you know, families as well because ptsd doesn't affect just the soldier you know right you can end up taking out on the, the people you care about so parents loved ones family members friends you know so they can feel quite a, a blunt force trauma of ptsd if you take it out on them which so yeah it's, it's kind of a bit all around really
0: absolutely and um just to, to find out, what made you turn to, to sports? What, what, what has it done for you personally, Mike?
1: Um, I think swimming for me was, a, you know, going through all this alcoholism and, you know, realising you know, and having this epiphany of, that you know, there's more to life and, you know, mm-hmm. I've got to take it by the horns, yeah, grab the ball by the horns. Um, swimming was sort of pinpointed to myself through my consultant, um, uh, the colonel at uh, Headley Court, uh, Colonel Phillips mm-hmm. um and he was basically sort of harshly but fairly was like you know you, you this isn't this isn't right you know if you carry on down this way you know you're probably not going to hit 30 sort of thing and it was kind of a point of right I've got to do something about this mm-hmm. and um a military initiative called Battleback said we know you used to swim because you know whilst we were going through rehabilitation at Headley Court I was quite often in the pool uh, and loved it because I didn't feel disabled in it uh, you know, there was no limitations to me, and I was almost as quick as I used to be, and I, I loved it. And they said, you know, we're we're trying to put a team together to to have a crack at swimming in the English Channel, if if you're interested. And I was like, oh, that's right up my street. You know, let's let you know, give me something to focus on and everything, and really drive towards it. But they said you can't do it if you're going to be relying on your overtaking your medications and drinking to the excess that I was. So that was kind of substituted for the alcohol and the meds or the over meds that I was taking and by focusing on the swimming and training consistently and frequently and going training like down in Dover Harbour for example getting used to the cold water and things Mm -hmm. really gave me something else to focus on and I think that's where my initial lust for let's go and do something random Mm -hmm. and exciting and
0: Mental. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you have to have a a balance. Um, There there is a lot of uh, discipline as well as self-discipline, both within the armed forces, the ambulance service, not to mention that of becoming a multi-winning Invictus medalist and athlete. Um, how, How does a leader and a role model like Mike Goody balance such a huge responsibility? And does Mike Goody ever get fed up with being good?
1: Uh, well, as I say, the only the only crime's getting caught.
0: <laughs> no, I think, you know,
1: I, when I started setting out to doing all these random and, you know, amazing things, you know, mm. I, a lot of these things I've taken up where other people have put them on. So the, the Invictus Games was His Royal Highness Prince Harry's sort of dream after seeing the Americans version the Warrior Games, you know, so he's put together the Invictus Games and... Made it the success, and you know, I don't think they realized how much of a success the Invictus Games was going to be. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I kind of tagged onto other people's challenges. Yeah, I've, I've gone out and raised money and, and done my own sort of little challenges, but nothing quite to that extent. You know, there's always been someone else who's gone, you know, we're, we're planning this. Do you fancy being a part? You know, all these different charities, organization groups, and friends and stuff. Mm. So, I don't think I I set out to be a role model, and I still wouldn't class myself as, as a role model, that wasn't my intention. Um, but I, I do get asked occasionally, you know, what drives you and, you know, have you got any advice for people and things? And uh, I kind of just sort of say what's in my heart in, in the sense that, you know, if if life sort of strikes you down, you know, you, you get a choice and a decision. Now, I obviously had the police and uh, the military to teach me self-discipline, and respect, you know, service before self, you know, there's like core mm-hmm. ethos of the Air Force as well as the police. and it's The choices are you either roll over and curl up into a ball and let stuff happen to you or you take it life by the horns and you just do what you want to do you know you don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything you know if you want to go and do something you go and do it if you can't do it you work out why you can't do it and you adapt it you know adapt and overcome is a, a very military ethos you know before i was injured and after injury you know it's it's more relevant now than it probably was at the time or it, to me it bears more relevance now than it did back then but anything is adaptable and over overcomable to achieve your goals and dreams
0: it's really interesting mike because you you, you say you didn't set out to be a leader you are a leader whether you like it or not um you you have uh, all of the success philosophies of many of the very Um, top players in terms of um, people like Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins um, in the self-development arena, Napoleon Hill, all of who say that you put your mind to what you want and it's interesting because I heard in a different um, interview that you gave that if you don't know how to do something you'll go and find out some from somebody else who has done that. And these are all the core success philosophies. Now you mentioned that you, you, you might have learned some of those in, in the army. Do they, do they teach you all of those core philosophies or where do they come from?
1: Uh, uh, as I say, I, I, draw, I draw, relevance and make reference to these, you know, some of these people that have made sort of quotes and famous sort of sayings to, you know, mm-hmm. self fulfillment mm-hmm. and, and advancement. But uh, no one's actually, I know, I, I've never seen any of these people talk in in that sense or read any of their books or things like that. And the military doesn't teach you this sort of stuff in that sense. They, they teach you the, the bare necessities, sort of the, give you the building blocks to, to create your own person. Um, you know, and you know, other than your parents, you know, I think mm-hmm. everything that I've done and say and do and that, I draw my experience from the things that I've been through or friends that have been through it and just kind of amalgamated it and created myself post injury into well what i am at the moment and what i do and what i want to do sort of thing so mm-hmm. i know i don't think anyone's directly told me or if it has you know maybe it's it's gone in and you know wrestled around somewhere in my head and
0: yeah,
1: yeah it's sort of subconsciously in there but yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's an odd one. Very interesting. Now, just coming back to to your uh, medals, uh, what does it actually feel like to be presented with that gold medal around your neck? Uh, what would you say to those who might be considering taking up a sport and uh, still hesitating?
1: I think uh, having having you know the, a medal, especially at the Invictus Games, the inaugural Invictus Games, and having you know a gold medal put around your neck, and especially by um, His Royal Highness Prince Harry as well, you know, the creator, the founder of them um was quite a, a feeling of success and achievement, you know, the, the the time that they put into creating it and then the training and the commitment and the dedication to, to the my sport of swimming um to achieve that and then obviously doing that still continuing today. Um I think you know, there's there's a lot of for like for example, the Invictus Games. There's a lot of injured guys and soldiers and girls who who haven't put their names forward and haven't mm-hmm. done. You know, the Invictus Games have been going on for a few more years, and anyone who hasn't put their name down, I think, should really contemplate getting involved and in, sticking their name and just trying it. You know, it, it could open doors. It could just create a, a love of a sport that you've never tried or one that you have in the past and rekindle sort of a lust for life. But In that sort of sense, I don't think it has to be just injured service personnel. I think anyone who's got an injury, an illness, a disability, whether it be from birth, an accident or developed, I I think sport plays, and what any sort of physical activity in sport plays such a a positive and enforceable drive to success and change your mindset of Mm. of what you can achieve. I'd I'd, I'd highly recommend anyone who's Mm. in a situation of despair, whether it be physical, psychological, social, emotional, to, to try something new, whether it be sport, whether it be just sort of some active challenge, just to see and prove to themselves that what a positive force that can be into changing your, your mindset and your drive and determination to completing something and then take it from there. Because once you've done that first one, that, that achievement, that feeling of self-worth, gratification and achievement more than anything, will just push you onto other things.
0: Absolutely. And I, I, I totally agree with you that uh, sports um, is a great help for for mental well-being. I can speak from my own experience, having suffered uh, from depression and um, y- going out there for a run gives you... Uh, A natural high as well as um it makes you feel that you can cope with a day um i I suppose chemically it's a it's a good high um the the question is where do you you get such an incessant drive from what what does a day in the life of mike goody while training look like um
1: oh well that's i suppose uh, i i don't know really where i draw it from i suppose it's Ever since being injured, you know, if if I've said it before and and I keep saying it to people, is if I wanted to go and do something before I was injured, I'd sort of make a plan and go, oh, where can I fit that in, and try and work it around work and life in general. And most of those things that I wanted to do, I never got around to doing at at that time. Mm -hmm. And since injury. I think whether it was the realization that life could end at any time, you know, you could, whether it's, you know, in my case, was deploying to Afghanistan and not knowing who or what or anything was around the corner, you know, anything could happen. And there was a sense of adrenaline there. But, you know, I could walk out my front door, fall off the curb and hit my head Mm -hmm. or get hit by a car or fall down the steps. You know, you don't know what life has to hold. So if you've got a if you've got a dream, if there's something you want to do, whether it would be something massive like you've always wanted I uh, I don't know, go and swim with dolphins, or whether you just wanted to complete a marathon, you know, two quite random things, but um, lots of goals that people have as such. Don't plan to uh, do it in five years' time and go. On like that. You know, if you want to swim with dolphins, you know, you've got a holiday, you go and go and book it. You know, just just do it. You mm-hmm. you know, you regret it. If you want to go and run a marathon and it's more physical, then buy a pair, decent pair of running trainers, start training and work towards it. And I think that's 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 the thing. You've got to go out and do your dreams because otherwise you, you, you're just going to live with the regrets of not doing them. I'd rather regret the things that I've done and go, oh man, I really mm-hmm. wish i thought that through more. Mm-hmm. But rather than sort of, I really wish I'd have done that. So mm-hmm. with my training, you know, going up at four in the morning, going off training for a couple of hours, hitting the gym, coming back, the, the bits in between for me are either eating or sleeping <laughs> so <laughs> my my days are quite relaxing in in the sense of during the day but early mornings and evenings are quite action quite packed and quite physically enduring so so yeah, <laughs> that, sort of the extremes either end
0: well i suppose that's the dedication that it takes in order to achieve a goal that's beyond when when beyond n- normal life and uh, when people say i wish i had that i wish i had that medal i wish i had that award they're required to to put the work behind it it doesn't just come
1: yeah i think everyone everyone's got the ability to achieve whatever they want Mm -hmm. it's it's the determination the commitment pre pre pre-event pre um you know whatever Mm -hmm. activity you 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 want to do or you know wish to do everyone's got the ability to go out and do those things whatever it may be They, they just have to put one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. you know myself I've only got one foot so I just leave with that one and the other one follows.
0: <laughs> Talking about that you have a great sense of humor Mike uh, in that could, could you tell our listeners what kind of tattoo do you have and why?
1: Um, <laughs> um, yeah after, after I was injured um, I found a lot of people stared and mm-hmm. not being you know disabled from birth you know I hadn't grown up with that it was quite an instant sort of mm. wow a lot of people stare at this sort of stuff and I don't mind people staring as such, but you can see sort of questions burning at them. So I kind of wanted to make a, a joker sort of approach that people would sort of smirk and laugh. And I could use it as an opener, like an icebreaker. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the back of my right leg, uh, I've got a, I miss my friend and an arrow pointing mm-hmm. left. And I'm pretty much always cutting around in shorts. So if I see some, you know, if I see someone smirking and uh, it's like, like the tat and yeah, and then they ask and things like that. Um, it, it just sort of I think breaks down that barrier of what I see quite a lot you know especially with kids kids have this sort of sense of curiosity mm-hmm. and the amount of times I hear you know sort of from the background some kid going mom he's got a robot leg or you know mm-hmm. he's made of metal or something like that mm-hmm. and the parents faces just drop and are like quick and hur- usher, usher them away and I, I find that you know if if kids got that curiosity what what's what's worse rushing them away so they don't find out the why they don't see and understand or get them to go excuse me uh, what happened and you know it's quite simple I get that quite a lot and I'd much rather just say like, you know I, I was in an accident you know I was I was with the British Armed Forces I had an accident and as a result I lost my leg you know and mm-hmm. as you can see my injury doesn't prevent me from doing daily things whether it be going shopping or going for a walk or run or anything like that mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. allow them to accept that in that that is unfortunately the modern norm, the, the modern normality.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really interesting, and um, I believe you had in the Vic, Invictus Games you had a, a, a kid that uh, came up to you who who was very very proud um, uh, to be there, and he also had um, a, a false leg, as it were, um, like yourself, and you had a great camaraderie uh, between you.
1: Yeah, it's a little kid, little Rio. Um, He's he's on Twitter. He's uh, he's fantastic little kid, and uh, he came up and he was like, "We got matching legs." Mm -hmm. he posed for a photograph with him, and um, his mother added his sort of Twitter page to mine and things like that. And I saw some of the things that this kid's done. Now I can't remember how old he was back then, but you know, he was he wasn't even up to my hips, sort of thing, you know. And I'm well, well, I was six foot two. And, you know, this kid's probably done as much or if not more than I have in his own right, you know, the things that he does. You know, he, he hasn't let his disability, you know, define or control what he wants to do. If he wants to go and do something, he does it. You know, And he hasn't even learned or been taught that. He just wants to go and do stuff and do everything that his friends are doing. And he doesn't, you know, whether he didn't understand that he, he wasn't able to at one point and just thought, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Even from a young age, I think that just proves sort of what what took me almost you know twenty years to learn is from someone who's I don't even think he's ten now. That's amazing. It's fantastic. It was amazing.
0: But perhaps he will be uh, one of your competitors in one of the Invictus Games in future.
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, no, well, you, you you have achieved so much. Um, what what would you tell your your younger self? I think you probably covered this in, in 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 the interview so far. However, if you could give your younger self some advice, what would you what would you tell yourself?
1: I think if I could tell my my younger self um, anything, you know, it's I think I've said stuff in the past, and it, it sort of does change from time to time. But I think I'd definitely tell myself stuff's going to happen in life, you know, Murphy's Law to its fullest. Uh, you know, just, just roll with it, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and crack on. Um, if I'd had a warning about some of these things, I still wouldn't say I wouldn't have changed them um, for, for various different reasons, you know, especially with like my, my injury being blown up. I was there, I didn't have an immediate family myself. I didn't mm-hmm. have a, a wife or kids or anything like that. But some of the other people that could have been driving that vehicle that pays a, for me, that plays a larger impact on, on someone else and a, a real true brother as such in the forces. So I'm kind of glad it happened to me and not one of my friends or a couple of my friends in that sort of sense. So I wouldn't have changed. I'd say, you know, don't change anything you want to do. And when stuff happens, just, just crack on, just pick yourself stuff up, learn from it, and keep going.
0: That's amazing advice, Mike. And, um, from 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 the teachings out there that, that that I've learned myself, there's always a seed, an equal seed of benefit in every challenge. And I think that you've really grabbed all the benefits. And what I really want to know is, what's still within you that you want to achieve? Ooh. There's,
1: there's still a few things that I, I want to achieve in my life. I think, you know, there's, there's quite a few things still left on my bucket list. Um, one of the things when I was younger, I always wanted to sort of go trekking, you know, start off in Laos, work my way down Cambodia and end up in Borneo and things like that. Um, that's more of a a personal thing, you know, mm-hmm. that although I want to go and do it, isn't one that I want to sort of go and do now immediately. You know, I think that's sort of something I'm, I'm sort of saving and holding on to, so that I don't sort of go and do everything all at once and then I've got nothing left as mm-hmm. such. There's still, there's still little things that I've got to set myself in the future for. In terms of challenges currently ongoing, um, we've got the Invictus Games coming up in Florida this year um, and I'm training for a place on the team for that. Um, again with the British team. So I'm, I'm hoping that you know I've secured en- uh, with my training and times and that, secured another place to to compete in that. Um, I'm also training uh, full time uh, to hopefully get a team on a place on the British swimming team as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a lot of things going on with my leg and my back at the moment, with to do with my injury. Um, mm-hmm. They may have found injuries that you know they didn't find at the time of being injured, but are only sort of coming out seven years later. So I'm sort of Dealing with all these new things, you know, like I said, I I used to be sort of six foot two or just over. I'm I'm now sort of just over six foot. You know, I've lost I've lost a bit of height. So um, there's personal challenges medically and psychologically kicking Mm. off. Um, So I'm sort of fighting two battles, you know, what I want want to do and what I'm able to do at this present moment. Um, So, yeah, there's there's things on the cards, but I've Mm -hmm. just got to play the medical side out safely first, unfortunately.
0: Mm -hmm. And as you said, uh, life throws you um, Murphy's Law, I think is the way you you put it. (laughs) Put it politely, Murphy's Law. (laughs) And um, I think that uh, for, from from what I've experienced, we we tend to get challenges thrown at us at least until we we learn the message or or, or the 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 benefit out of it. Um, and um, perhaps there's there's loads of more great things coming your way that you that you don't even know or, or realize.
1: Oh, I certainly hope so. You know, this if I had the rest of my life planned out, you know, that would that would to me be pretty dull.
0: Um, I've got my you know
1: what I want to do and the lifeline in that sort of sense but I, I like the, the thought that randomly someone could go hey do you fancy doing this I'm like yeah <laughs> um you know I, I like the thought that that can happen and with the, the camaraderie and the brotherhood of being in the military as well as the injured soldier community as such there is that potential that something completely random could come my way that I just go yeah let's do that <laughs> um and I, and I like that thought
0: it's, it's wonderful the way that you, you have a, a, an affection for the camaraderie of the brothers and sisters within, within the, the army, the, the military and um, the armed forces. And uh, you, you also, um, I know, raise a lot of funds f- for them um, and, and do, you do a lot of uh, personal fundraising as well as taking part in, in, in fundraising. What, what are the um, main fundraising events that are closest to your heart?
1: I think for me personally, um, there's this three charities, one organisation group, as such, that have helped me out since I've been injured. That I'll swear blind by, and will bend over backwards for, fundraise, and do what I can for. Uh, the first one, obviously, was, was Battle Back, that like I mentioned earlier. You know, the mm-hmm. Military Initiative for Injured Soldiers, um, funded for by Health for Heroes and the, the Royal British Legion, um, and that sort of that got me out of my initial rut. Um, from there, Help for Heroes with their sporting endeavors and the sports selection side mm-hmm. of the games and how that has helped me you know, to utilize that sporting side. So, yeah, Battle Back, uh, Help for Heroes, um, and then the two associated with the Royal Air Force, the Royal Air Force Benevolent Fund and the Royal Air Force Association. For me, though, those two are the big ones, especially with the Benevolent Fund. Um, I'm sort of ambassador for the, the Royal Air Force Benevolent Fund and do as much fundraising as I can for them at every turn, whether it be a physical challenge, financial challenge, emotional, psychological, they've always been there. Um, And I I never actually approached them or anything. They've always been there in the background and just sort of step in without asking and, you know, just sort of just let me know that they're there. And I just bounce a few things off them and they're just automatically, they're just snapping off to like, right, we're going to help you out there. We can do that. We can do that. And have made my life so much easier over the past seven years since being injured.
0: Yeah, it's because someone who's very independent as yourself, um, I know p- people might find it challenging to accept help. I speak, I guess, from uh, personal experience. So, therefore, um, what what does it take in order to be able to say yes, okay, you know, I'll, I'll accept your help. I'll, I'll open up. I think
1: with with the the, the RF Benevolent Fund that because they're always they've always been there and they've never sort of been forceful or anything like that you know sometimes people could be quite forceful not charities i'm gonna about here but people mm. could be like i'm gonna help you and it's it's you just want that it's almost like a little mini self-achievement if there is something you can't do so for me when i was first injured being in a wheelchair for such a long period of time you know stairs you know mm-hmm. people are carry you up it's like No, no, I'm going to get out of my chair and I'm going to bum shuffle up those (laughs) chairs. You can carry the chair. You're not carrying me and things like that. Mm. Um, And with like being in the wheelchair, I lost my independence. Um, I couldn't go down and get bread and milk and stuff like that. You know, I had no way to get around. So it was costing me a fortune in taxis because if I wanted to go somewhere, that's that's how I got around. And the Benevolent Fund just came up to me and were like you know well we're helping you out you know adapting you know uh, the house You've got a, a rolling shower walking bathroom as such so i can just literally roll straight into the shower handrails assistance around the house and they actually um sort of got me a, a an, an automatic vehicle so i actually was able to to get around myself and that's something i hadn't even thought of and they were just like, "Well, this, you saying that these are the challenges you face, and you want to be independent, you want to be able to do this? Let's help you out here." And I was, I was just like, "Wow!" Actually, uh, they're not saying, "You know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that." They they just sort of made suggestions and let you sort of pick out what you could do to achieve your own sort of self independence. For me personally, that was.
0: <laughs> that's amazing And in terms of social life i know that um we we can get very um reclusive if if we're attempting to to, to get better or in in a stage of not feeling well mentally yes um, have have the benevolent fund helped you at all with that or is that just simply friends and family
1: the, they've the benevolent fund for me have helped out uh, not only myself but um, my friends and family as well with any any troubles they have you know they have well and truly been there for like 100 years supporting service members from the Air Force and their dependents and their families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it be physical or social or emotional, financial, you know, they've always sort of been there. And to me, that's that's absolutely fantastic. You know, if, if like you said, people can sometimes feel a little bit down and reclusive and things mm-hmm. like that, you know, they, they're there to help you to get that back um which which is fantastic you know but that's that's like a, a service based charity you know mm-hmm. my um, my girlfriend at the moment she she works for um uh, a charity called she also works for a charity but it's called canine partners mm-hmm. like they they provide um assistance dogs to people with disabilities whether they're getting acquired or birth and illnesses and things like that and i see a lot of the things like from her and, and her charity that i've seen you know like the, the benevolent fund do you know they, they use dogs to to give people back independence and things like that. So I think it's it doesn't matter if it's a, a service injury and there's a on helping you or there's a, a civilian uh, charity such as like the Canine Partners helping you. I think there, there's people out there that want to help you if you end up unfortunately in a situation like I have found myself in. And you know people out there will find themselves unfortunately in situations which are completely out of their control. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's utilizing the help that's on offer. You know, it's, it's not to be seen as weak. It's not to be seen as degrading. It's not to be seen as, no, I'm, you know, I can't accept help because then it's not me. I think it's, it's a case of just taking that first step, like I said earlier, and breaking that stereotype of, no, it's only going to be me, and accepting the help that's on offer from whoever it is and seeing how that can push you onto the next step of, right, now I've got that back, what else can I focus on?
0: Absolutely. And after all, you have given your service, as our soldiers do, to to the country. And um, as in the First World War, the Second World War, without those um, soldiers... Without that military and all, all the effort that they've put into it, sacrificing the, 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 themselves, we, we wouldn't be here. So thank you very much for that. Um, one one of the questions that I did want to find out from you is what do you eat as an athlete, as a swimmer? And um, and also in order to give advice to other people out there?
1: Um I have to say my my diet has significantly changed. Mm -hmm. Um, I I used to eat pretty much anything I wanted, whenever I wanted, and you know, the old muffin top I think uh, my Mm -hmm. girlfriend calls it was was certainly in play. Um, uh, Yeah, I I cut out a lot of takeaways and pizzas and and things like that. You know, um, cut out sugar from drinks, turned to sugar-free sort of stuff. and. Lot, because obviously I'm training quite intensely and quite often, um, generally a lot of pasta, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is which isn't bad because I do I do enjoy Italian food, which is which mm. is quite helpful. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I, I think it's about between six and eight weeks of in the morning before mm. training. Um, uh, I'll sort of come back, have some sort of protein and carb sort of based, whether it's shake based or bar, maybe something that I made mm. in flat and things like that. Lunch tends to be pasta, um, <laughs> and a lot of it. Uh, um, and yeah, dinner, again, I, I, chicken, steaks, all lean stuff, ostrich. Yeah, lots ostrich. of salad.
0: Okay, yeah. sounds, that's... Not oh, that. ostrich. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. We, I've always wondered, uh, and I'm sure our listeners wondered out there, what, what do athletes eat in order to stay healthy and also uh, to keep their strength out? Um, now, uh, w- what I wanted to find out is, w- what advice would you give anyone, including those wonderful heroes, the injured soldiers, servicemen, women out there, anyone who may currently be going through a tough time? Um, I think
1: if... If there's anyone out there who's going through a tough time, whether it be injured service personnel or not, I think, you know, if I could give advice to anyone going through a situation like that, it would be you're probably a, a little bit nervous, a little bit afraid, a little bit concerned about what's going on now in your future. I'd, I'd say don't, don't be afraid to accept a bit of help along the way to to boost you up use use the your friends your family and people offering support to to get you onto that first ladder you know that first rung of that ladder because once you're on that ladder you can climb yourself and the next rung will be even easier you know the, the bottom rungs of these ladders are really far apart so take the take the help take the assistance and then once you're on it things get easier and the future will hold some more random things for you, but just roll with it and enjoy it.
0: That's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today, Mike. And one final question, uh, where can people find out more about uh, you and keep track of uh, future adventures? Um, I sort
1: of, I've got a, I use Twitter a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. Not not as often as I, I probably should, but um, I'm just
0: trying
1: to think of my Twitter handle, uh, uh, Mike Goody85, there we go, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Mike
0: something Goody- like that. <laughs> Mike Goody85, thank you so much, well Mike, thank you so, so much for sharing your valuable advice and uh, personal story and personal journey to success, and I know it has its ups and downs uh, every day, and um, you will be helping a lot of people out there, I think that people don't realise that even if if they might be saying something on a bus that's inspirational or reading something that's inspirational, it could affect someone's life from literally existing to wanting to get up the next morning to to changing hundreds of people's lives, to changing the world. So uh, thank you so much, Mike, for joining us today. It's been a true pleasure.
1: No, it's been my pleasure to be on. And, uh, you know, if I can just change one person... Uh, you know, one person's frame of mind to uh, just try something new or just give something, anything a go. Then I feel like I've I've done what I've set out to do, sort of thing. You know, one person at a time.
0: Job done. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very, very much, Mike. Good to talk. Thank you. To you. If this episode inspired you to live your life with purpose, why not inspire others to change their life too by sharing this podcast with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. For more inspiring interviews, check out our website at thesuccessjourneys.com. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the Success Journeys podcast on iTunes. And please, do leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. This is Katie Napoleon Hill, sending you love and sunshine. Till next time.